you want. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show on Friday mornings. You want Saints breakdown from our Saints and Pelicans correspondent, Mr. Gus Cattengill in the Crescent City. Good morning, Gus. What is up? Nothing much. Um, I don't know what happened in the last few days, but, you know, Wednesday night, I was just kind of relaxing. With Thursday, you wake up, I'm sorry, what's coming in the Gulf? And then yeah. here we are. I mean, <laughs> Plan I accordingly, everybody. swim over the weekend. I don't know what, what just happened. Plan accordingly, everybody. Be safe out there. Um, whew, yeah. Let's um, let's let's look at the Saints, Gus, and um, – you know, hurricane, uh, tropical depression, tropical storms aside, uh, I don't have you for, yeah, I got you for a little while this morning. And, uh, I, I went on your show Wednesday. We talked a little bit about, you know, some of the takeaways from the saints preseason game. And I quarterback was the front page story for obvious reasons. Um, but did anything from that game on Monday night surprise you at all as it pertains to the quarterback position? Uh, as it pertains to the quarterback position, I, I'm going to say no. Well, I'll say this. What, what's surprising was you did see, Scott, I mean, you couldn't have had more of a contrasting start for both quarterbacks. I mean, you couldn't have scripted better if you were Jameis Winston. Three drives, you saw enough. But then Taysom comes in and his first pass is a drop. Two of his first three possessions are sacks. Then there's a turnover on downs. And that's how they're going to have to. I mean, it, it couldn't have been more contrasting, right? I mean, you, you saw the body language. I felt awful for Taysom from this standpoint. You, you almost feel like maybe Sean should have just kept Jamison the last minute and a half of the first quarter and just start to give him another drive when he don't score because being in the press box, Scott, you, you felt the energy. You felt the momentum. And what was crazy was, I don't know if this falls under surprising category, but it just kind of dawned on me, and I think I brought it up to you when you jumped on my show this week. You know, they take the field to start the game. Uh, Gus, I think we lost you there, bud. I'm right here. Oh, there we go. I'm sorry. You, so they take the field to do what uh, in the game? You just went out for a second. Sorry. I I'm, do not hear, I hear a DraftKings spot. All right. My bad. Um, uh, there we go. My fault. Uh, you know what? But while we're at it, let's remind everybody. Download the DraftKings app. Put in code 1420. And um, and when you do, uh, you know, you get a chance to win a million dollars if you're a first-time user. It's no better way to have fun when you're watching the games. My bad. All right. So, Rocky start here. Um, Saints, when they take the field. Are you still hearing? Are you still hearing stuff, Gus? No, you dropped out. What happened? Oh, <laughs> I tell you what, man. There is a there is a storm in the Gulf. Um, all right, you know what, baby? Monday morning radio. Yeah, right, Saturday, all right, yeah. all right. So, so, all right. Let's just let's try to reset completely from a minute ago. You're yeah. talking about being in the yeah. press box. You were there Monday night, feeling the momentum, um, and and just the team when they took the field and. Uh, kind of just, it was almost like before it even happened, it was, it wasn't a surprise because it kind of felt like it was, it was going to happen. Is that, is that kind of, am I, am I oversimplifying it here? Well, kind of from this aspect of it, right? I mean, I, 
Look, I, I, you heard me last week, I told you. I said after the Baltimore game, there was, you know, the sack by Taysom Hill and the interception by Jameis Winston to um, on that play by little Jordan Humphrey. I thought those two plays actually told me who should be the quarterback and not the successful plays. And it was because of decision-making. It was, you know, understanding what you're seeing and, and, and being there. So, look, I, I keep telling people, especially ones that go to practice and, you know, Maddie comes on our show too. They say, well, you know, this competition's really kind of my it's practice. You, you know those plays. You know the defense. Defense knows you. And quite honestly, as Drew always says, in one-on-one, seven-on-seven, the ball shouldn't hit the field. I mean, um, you know, you have that ups and downs, but it's hard at a practice to kind of see somebody sort of pull away. Look, you, you look at this week, for example, and – you know, people covering the Patriots, Giants workouts, like, man, Mac Jones is standing out because he's playing another team. He's not practicing against their own, you know, guys. You know, the Broncos deciding on Teddy Bridgewater. This is after two games. It's games matter. And you're facing a different defense. You're facing pressure. You're facing what happens in real life on a play. Not everything works. So how do you adapt? How do you adjust? Um, so I, I, I'm going to say I wasn't that surprised because, again, you're, I go back to the interview in minicamp, when the virtual minicamp was, it was the first, you know, uh, media availability of the offseason for both quarterbacks. And, Scott, Taysom Hill sounded like a guy trying to learn how to play quarterback at a professional level. Jameis Winston was trying to refine it. And you just cannot take away five years of starting in the NFL. I'm not talking about being a backup in the NFL like Chase Daniels. I'm, he started games. And, you know, this week the stats came out on the last time that he was a starter. Yes, the focus on Jameis Winston's the 30 interceptions. But he had the most passing yards in the, the year that year. He had the most completion percentages, you know, for deep balls, the most deep balls. Like he was – one of the top quarterbacks, if not the top quarterback, in a lot of statistical categories in 2019. He had 30 picks. He had 30-plus touchdowns, though. Um, as Alvin Kamara and, and other players this week said, you just don't lose that talent. I mean, you're a Heisman that won the national championship, and you're a guy that was drafted number one overall. You're not a bum. I mean, does it happen sometimes? Sure, it's your Ryan Leafs and your things of that nature, but – I don't think that was the case, so I'm not going to say I was, like, totally surprised, but you just couldn't have two more contrasting beginnings, you know, to it. And, look, man, this week, don't even take my word for it. You just see it. And, you know, Brian Baldinger, I thought, broke it down great. He looked at Jameis Winston's start in film. It's two minutes something. And then you look at Deuce Windham from The Athletic, and his one-play breakdown of Taysom Hill says it all. It's what I've been saying. He doesn't see the field, or he was afraid to try. And that's the thing, I guess, that I would say did surprise me, Scott, is after the start by Jameis Winston, Taysom Hill had to go in there in that opening drive and think to himself, I have to blow the socks off of this thing. And what, not, what I can't understand for the life of me, and, and help me out here, because you're smart, Scott, and the one thing that separated him or had comparisons to Lamar Jackson, Steve Young was his mobile athletic ability. If you'd been serving overseas um, in a coma, hadn't seen football the last several years, 
by watching just those two preseason games, would you have been able to tell that Taysom Hill was a mobile athletic quarterback? No, no. I, I, not he, at he all. He never ran. Yeah, and I think he, he was ran. trying to. Why is he getting sacked? Make a point. Why is he right. getting sacked? That guy's. Right. I, I think he was maybe trying to make a point. I can do it this way, that way. Like, you know, right. the old but saying, that, dance with the girl that, that you brung you. Exactly. I mean, he was. Exactly. Um, I, I like your point, ESPN 1420, Gus Gagnon, about. Taysom Hill, Jameis Winston, and so much was on. Oh well, Jameis was nine of ten, and he did this, and he, you know, he he read the coverage right away. But also, more so, really, what did Hill do? It was kind of the opposite of Winston's in that, you know, there were a lot of plays he just left out on the field. I mean, the first incompletion he threw, he's rolling out to the sideline, and okay, there's there's Juwan Johnson. I mean, he's, he's open. Right, vertical route. You got this. What are you doing? Another. There was another player open too. I don't remember his name, but um, just the plays that he left out there and then didn't take off and do the things that have made him good. I mean, it just it, it was it was what we already knew, really. Um, you know, but but let me ask you this: Gus Kagan, our Saints uh, correspondent here with his Pronola segment. There was, I, I felt perhaps. Too much optimism following a preseason game against the bad Jags team, and certainly you don't want a team to look awful in the preseason, or you certainly you know you don't want Jameis Winston to go out there and stink it up. I'm, I'm not telling you to not you know have your positive takeaways, but I'm talking like I mean, I'm seeing people out there. I'm getting calls. I'm getting emails. Like man, I'm feeling much better about the Saints now. I think they're winning 10, 11 games. I'm like based off of what? Like a, a couple of uh, let's let's calm down a little bit here, guys. Did anything that unfolded Saturday, uh, excuse me, last Monday, really change your outlook on this season at all and what is in store for the Saints in 2021? And I'll, I'll not just add Monday. I'll add this, this past week and then the injuries piling right. up and who in the hell is going to play quarterback right. after Lattimore, all of that. Has anything changed over the last five days that would change your mind on the Saints' outlook for 2021, either good or bad? Going into the preseason, I said six, seven months. I mean, I got called negative. You know, I hate to say, no, I'm just looking at what I've been seeing. And um, that's why, as you know, for weeks I've been calling him a potential playoff team. There's a lot of potential. Let's see what happens. I said before the preseason, after the draft, I like Paulson Adebo. He's increased um, his snaps. You've seen his play. He's gotten better. But because of injuries, he's going to start against the Green Bay Packers. I thought he could eventually push for that. And, again, I kept making those comparisons. You remember, Scott, to 2017, where no one really thought or knew what the Saints were going to be. You just knew he had a draft class that was going to have to play snaps. Nobody thought Lattimore and Camara were going to be like Lattimore and Camara were that year. Or Marcus was incredible rookie season. Those three guys were incredible. Um, so, but... Pete Werner doesn't get hurt in camp. He was playing really well. Um, Zach Bond's a guy that I think is going to rotate with Quan Alexander. That position group is better now than I felt, you know, three weeks ago in terms of depth. You know, but if Marshawn Lattimore is suspended one or two weeks, those first two games, Scott, it's Paulson Adipo and T.J. Williams. If Ken Crawler can't come back, but Ken Crawler was having a nice camp. But, again, Two weeks ago, Sean Payton's calling that position a must because of those two corners inexperienced or play, but they've played better. So 
I, I still think if this team can muster eight, nine, ten wins, unbelievable job coaching. And it's not because of the flashes that you saw. Marquez Callaway, what if he doesn't make those two catches? How are we looking at it? Um, I, I think, like we've talked about for weeks, he looks the part. I think that guy can do it. Um, who's going to help him, though? Because if I'm a defense, I'm going to make sure that guy's covered. So can Deontay – oh, that's right. He may miss a game or two. So to me, it's those first five weeks, can you just stay afloat? Um, so I talked about this week, Scott, if you can – I said it before Monday. I said it before the first preseason game. I saw two and three. If you can still be two and three going into the bye week, um, I'll feel better because you should be close to getting Michael Thomas after. Um, David Onyemata is around the corner, which you're going to need with that stretch. Seahawks and the Bucks and the Falcons are there. So after the bye, you're going to want to be healthier. You know, Troutman and all those guys should be back by week three. Um, so you'll have your tight ends play better, and then they got to get in the shape. So if you can just limp into the bye, two and three, I, I think you at least have a shot to try to win six to seven more games. It's a tough stretch, though. I mean, it's a tough schedule against some good teams. They can have the injury bug, too. They can do all of that, and I understand it. But seeing what Jameis can do in this offense on Monday – with the decision-making, with understanding it, it's going to get better more reps that he has. So I'll say that I feel better about the prospects at that position having seen that with him. He's going to make mistakes. And here's the other thing that fans have got to – he's going to throw an interception. And we in the media and we in the fans cannot overreact to that. Drew threw picks. Brady throws picks. I mean, Brady threw a pick at the beginning of the season last year to pretty much – you know, help the Bucks lose the game here in New Orleans. So um, it's going to happen. And that makes me feel better, though, that, you know, he has command of the huddle. He knew where he was going with the football. I think Sean can work with him from that aspect. I like what Tony Jones brings. You know, a bit, you know again, it's just a playoff. I never said that. It's a potential. Let's see what can happen. But you, you have to see these games. And I, I'm with you, Scott. It's Jacksonville. It's a preseason game. I shouldn't get excited. But a team that's not good, you should look better then. And if that was a regular season game, in that first quarter, I based off of what I saw in the first quarter, Chauncey all over the place, Ken was healthy, and, you know, Debo was playing well. You still had Dalton playing with the torn triceps. I mean, that guy was sacking people. Like, if you remember, Cam Jordan's not playing. Malcolm Jenkins is not playing. Marcus Williams is not playing. So it should have looked like that. And if that's the case, well, then they're at least a middle-of-the-road team. And that makes me feel a bit better, you know. But we'll see. We'll see what happens on Monday, you know, on that first pre-season, that first regular season game against Green Bay. It's a team that's been to the NFC Championship game two straight years. So they're going to be good. I expect them to win. If the Saints make it a game, play them close, that will make you feel better. But, again, two and three to me is what I felt before I even saw a down of football at camp or in preseason. And I, I still think I, I'm, I'm right there as well. Gus Cagniel, Saints and Pelicans correspondent, our guest. Who has the most pressure tomorrow on the Saints roster? Some surprise cuts on the way. We'll dig in next. Don't go anywhere. It's the great Scott Show. We'll be right back right after this. Mario, Mario. Mario. 
making lyrics right through your brain When you hear this saying, you'll be right as rain Welcome back into the Great Scott Show, the Great Sports Callers Open Think Tank Pronola segment coming at you on a Friday. Saints Cardinals tomorrow. You can hear the action right here on ESPN 1420. Preseason game number three. Typically in the past, as you dress rehearsal this year, it's different. It's uh, it's kind of make or break. That's what I call this preseason game because it's make or break for a lot of players. The Saints have 80 guys on the roster, and by Wednesday, they got to cut that thing down to. 53, 27 cuts coming up, Gus. And, you know, a lot of players on the bubble, one that quite frankly with his salary and his production the last two years that absolutely should not be on the bubble but absolutely is on the bubble to me is Latavius Murray. I mean, I get that maybe when he's been out there this preseason, the protection has left a little bit to be desired. and there, But, I mean, uh, he has not made – shown any kind of ability to run through contact and, and get those extra yards, which we're used to seeing from him. He looks like he's running through a swamp with boots on. I mean, what's going on right now with Latavius Murray? The guy's got a nice contract. He has started in the league before, and now he's going into this preseason game. And to me, it feels like this is kind of make or break from him. He needs to have a nice night because the Saints will not hesitate to roll out there with Kamara, Tony Jones, and Dwayne Washington and just keep three running backs on the rock. Man, I'll just look at it like this. I think he's battling his own head right now. We go to that first week of training camp. He was one of the first strength players made available, and he talked about wanting more more touches. He wanted more carries. He specifically said he wanted to be more involved. Um, was his opportunity. I mean, you can't fumble that opening drive. And we're going to go back and look at it. I still don't think it makes a, a difference. I still think at the end of the day, just like Scott Wynn, you have teams that are playing top 10, top five college football teams on a Saturday. That game is just close at halftime. Eventually, talent and depth takes over. I think experience and having been there would have taken over between those two quarterbacks. But what if Taysom Hill leads a touchdown scoring drive on that play? What if Murray doesn't fumble, right? In the next play, after the Murray carries for three, or even if he doesn't fumble, he stops for no gain. Taysom throws in the end zone for a touchdown. It's his confidence better because – what I saw after he came in for Jameis is a guy is down on his confidence. I mean, you, you saw it at the podium. You heard it. You know, he's talked about plays being left, and he was glad that he started in the third quarter, you know, just so he could get that bad taste out of his mouth and put some positive things together. That's a guy that was down. Um, Latavius Murray, you can – it's just, again, sitting there in the dome, you hear the smattering of booze. I mean – it's fans, come on, you know, like, put in Tony. I mean, so if I'm here at the Terrace, you know, it, it's, I guess what I'm getting at is it's palpable. You, you can sense it. You can feel it. Um, call it bad luck that the blocking wasn't there that play. But it, it just seems slow to the line, slow to make decisions. And, look, he's there for one reason. He's like in south and runs over people and, you know, moves the pile forward. And if you're not doing that, it's hard to then justify your spot when here's another guy who's, you know, undrafted, doesn't cost like you, and, can, you know, look quicker, can maybe do things. Oh, look, Tony Jones had a run 
if he and he will, the more he sees it, he had a cutback lane that could have been a touchdown on one of those runs that went about two yards to the left side. If he looks right, there's a cutback lane that's right there. I promise you saw it in film on Tuesday when you got to be kidding me. But that's what happens if you have that experience. And Murray has experience. Murray knows this offense. Murray knows that Kamara's not playing this preseason. This was a shot to stand out. I mean, this, he should have stood out. And through two games, you're saying it. I'm saying it. I know my callers are saying it. I think he's cut. I don't think he makes this team. You better have a big day tomorrow. Um, it just it feels weird and, and just like it because it, he played. He was very effective last year. You know, it's not like you know, is he that running back that once you just some of those guys they just hit that wall and that's it. He can still bounce back this preseason, but the results have been so discouraging that he is he has got a lot of pressure on himself right now, in my opinion. ESPN fourteen twenty. You know, I think there's some other spots. I think safety. There's going to be some tough cuts to make there. Marcus Williams, Malcolm Jenkins, CJ GJ, Chatey Gray. Those are your safeties. So. Probably not keeping more than that, but you've got some guys like Deuce Wallace, who is a young man that I know who is really solid on special teams. Can he make enough noise here in this final game to carve out a spot where maybe, you know, maybe they're down a corner to start the season, but then you have all these injuries at corners. So the pup list, whoever the last safety on the team is, they're going to have to play special teams. Now we know JT Gray could be that guy, but did they have another? It's just... I feel like safety is a tough place for roster cuts because I think if they only keep four, then they're set because Williams, Jenkins, CJ, GJ, and JT Gray are the guys. They're not getting rid of any of them, obviously. But, boy, I mean, Jeff Heath, that guy's had a nice camp. I mean, he has made plays on special teams. Uh, Deuce Wallace, I mentioned him, same type of deal. So I'm just looking at positions for this game tomorrow and where there's – Look, you got a lot of there's there's not a lot of open room here. I remember back when the Saints, you know, Gus years ago, you know, at receiver there were four guys they were they were on the team no matter what. And Colson, who's being inducted in the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame this weekend, Devery Henderson, Lance Moore, and and Robert Meacham. And then after that, it's probably going to be a special teamer, a la Courtney Roby. So it was kind of like, boy, they're going to have to keep six for someone just to have a shot to make the team. I kind of look at safety like that right now. Maybe those guys certainly aren't as good as the receivers I mentioned. Some of them maybe, some of them might not be. My point is there's just not a lot of wiggle room there, barring an injury to one of those guys. So, you know, Jeff Heath, Deuce Wallace, Eric Burrell, Bryce Thompson, you know, another safety. Guys that have looked good in camp, but it's just kind of a numbers game. Uh, All of those guys, that's kind of what I look for in the final preseason game. Because to be honest, sometimes watching – the last preseason game kind of feels like just sitting in a dental chair. Um, you know, it's just, it's not fun. Maybe there'll be a little moment here or there where they shoot you up with some nice drugs to make you feel good. And so, oh, yeah, that was fun. That was fun. And then the rest of the time, it's just like, that's what this game's going to feel like tomorrow. So I need to latch on to something. I'm looking at the safeties tomorrow uh, against the Cardinals, Gus. Yeah, um, I'd say there as well. I think the other element, too, while you're talking about specifically with players, I I would add this. Um, I'm interested on how Sean is going to approach this game. Um, You have a ton of injuries. And I go back to earlier in the week. I want to say on Wednesday, Frank Reich got a phone call from Dan Campbell, uh, Lions head coach, to the 
Colts head coach and said, I'm not playing my starters. Dude. So just letting you know. And then Reich said, okay, well, then I'm going to do the same thing. I'm not either. Um, I, Scott, are you playing Callaway? Are, are no. you playing Jameis Winston? Are no. you playing Tony Jones? No. Like, well, yeah, maybe, this, maybe, this a, maybe Tony Jones, but not, no, not the first, so? not the first three. This is a Latavius Murray, Devontae Freeman spectacular. 30 yeah. carries apiece. I guess I you're have right. no tight ends. I literally have two tight ends. I have Juwan Johnson and some other guy. Uh, just, Griffin, just, 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 uh, just let Taysom get some reps of tight end in the second half. Just get him back used to it. Oh, you know? that's what I'm saying, man. First half. Book third quarter, Simeon fourth quarter. Um, Heck, I was Deontay saying play Harris Taysom at tight end in the second half, you know. <laughs> yeah, look, this is Chris Hogan's game. Yeah, he's going to get cut. Receiver? Yeah, um, Hogan's cut. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I'm just, Kevin like, White, I'm no serious. chance. Like, no chance, Kevin yeah, White. Don't Kevin even White wait. They should have cut the entire game. They should have yeah, cut it. No, they should have already cut it. Scott, you get my point. I mean, because it is interesting because. Normally, it, at the beginning of, of training camp on that Wednesday before camp started, he did say that he was going to play that third preseason game like he had in the past. Um, look, Cam Jordan hadn't seen action. All these other guys had. But quite honestly, I'm not putting them out there um, just because of the depth issues and what I'm having. Now, again, let's see. You know, there's Cam Jordan playing a series or two to get back into that shape because he hasn't. Um, we still haven't seen, you know, Turner I'm getting concerned if he's going to be ready for the, the preseason the way everyone was talking about it. I thought it'd be like a one, two week injury. You know, Peyton Turner's been out for a while. So, you know, plus, what do you go about with corner? I mean, if a depot gets hurt, who's uh, starting at corner against the Packers? You. So, you, I, I, you're suiting I don't up. Know. <laughs> Suit up, Cat Yo. Get him down here. Scott, I'm telling you, I, I, am, I am approaching tomorrow's game literally. Guys that will be first on the bus on the cut list, they're starting. You know, give them a pep talk in the locker room. Guys, here's your chance. Put it on tape. Guys are going to be cut the next couple of days, whether it's this team or another team. Go put it all on tape. And then basically anybody is a first or second stringer, dude, I'm not, I'm not playing. Because they don't have any numbers, Scott. I mean, they, they're really thin at certain positions. Tied in in particular, which leads me to my next question. It's ESPN 1420, Scott Prather, Gus Kattengill, Pronola segment. Could could there be some trades coming up here? You know, I mean, we talk about Murray, who's averaging well, a yard and a half in the preseason. Right. Is well, there a team desperate enough that just needs a veteran running back that sends you a conditional seventh rounder or something, you know, is, 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 is this, are the saints in such need for a tight end? I you see the Zach Hurts thing out there a lot, but like, do they need a, a tight end by the way, you know, a tight end that can you create enough cap space to bring in one that's actually, you know, any good. Uh, maybe if Latavius Murray is traded, you could because it frees up three point one million salary cap space. But are the saints like, we know they're going to be active on the waiver wire. Because they always are. Like, there's going to be some poor player or two on the Saints that think they've made the 53, and then another player that gets cut on another team, the Saints are going to sign, and then they're going to cut a player that thinks they've made it. It's going to happen, probably to two to three players on the team. That's to be expected. But could a potential trade happen here for a corner, for a tight end, or potentially for a player that they ship out, like a Latavius Murray, that at this point – you know, if anyone's watching preseason, they may not want him. 
But then they look at the whole career and say, you know what? It's only a seventh rounder. We really need a veteran. Let's just go ahead and do it. You know, I mean, I'm not, I'm not suggesting he would be traded for some high draft pick, but trades. Something here in, in, in this next week, or you feel like they're just sticking to the waiver wire? I think it's all on the table. Um, I, I would like them to not, you know, lose patience and kind of – you have to be realistic of where you are. Again, if I'm sitting here hoping that you're two and three – before the bye week, you know, with Anya Mott out six weeks, with maybe Lattimore and Deontay Harris out a couple of, like, going and trade first, second, third, fourth round picks or some guy that you're hoping can come play for a couple of weeks is just not smart. So I'm looking at waiver wire. I am looking at some guys where maybe I'm, you know, like a Murray that I can go get a seventh rounder or something like that. Sure, absolutely. Um where are you comfortable-wise at tight end? Are you happy with what you've seen with Johnson and Troutman enough that you don't think that you need a veteran? I think, again, I'm, I just here's why I keep saying this. I need to see body of work for about two-thirds of this football team. I think not just to decide how good they are, but for this organization to know where you're going and where you're building. Um, naming the starter is going to be key. Fine. Now, what 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 does he do well? What does he work in this system? You know, Jameis said at the beginning of the season, or the off season, that he's he's already crossed out some things in the playbook that he doesn't like, circled things that he really likes. So, okay, what kind of players work well with him? Um, my lines, my constant. So, mm-hmm. you know, is he a guy that likes the tight end? Is he like athletic tight ends? Are we running the football more? Like what 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 are Winston's strengths? Like, Go back to how we started this conversation. The touchdowns, the experience. The first one, he said he saw the safety cheat. He knew he had one, and he went to it. Um, he feels comfortable with Callaway. And, and Brian Baldinger's breakdown, there were two big routes that were identical. It was Winston's choice. Left hash mark, right hash mark. Same exact route. And... He saw the middle linebacker go to the right, so he nearly fired at the Callaway on the left hash mark. And then on the touchdown, he sees the blitz, he sees the play, he sees the one-on-one, and look, man, he, he got Latavius Murray to take the guy up the middle, knew a guy was coming free off the end, knew he was going to get hit, threw in that direction, and threw a dime to Callaway. That, that's an NFL starter. That's what you have to do. So... But that was just a small example. But I, I need to see that. If I can see that over a couple of games, and that's how I'm building, right? And it's, how does Thomas play with Callaway when he comes back? All these different things. I just think trades to, you know, be able to feel the team and play and win, sure. But, I mean, I, I think be smart. Like, I, I don't think they're in a the spot even because I like what Crowley and Odebo showed where, you know, well, two weeks ago, Scott, people were saying, I need to go get the guy – from power, you know, first round, you know, trade Cam Jordan. Yeah. I'm not, I think those trades like that yeah. would be silly. You're saying a Latavius Murray, maybe even a receiver or, you know, a linebacker or something that can get you a tight end, can get you a safety. They're looking at waivers. And, you know, the problem is when you get these guys at this point, they've got an awful lot of catching up to do if they're young, if they're not vets. And if they are vets, then why are they getting cut? So, I, I just think, Scott, you, you trudge through it, wait for these guys to come back from either suspension or injury, and, you know, that's 
which way you are. Again, it's the expectation level and what do you think you are. I don't think this team's in a championship window, so be okay with it. Try to find what you are. Try to build your foundation. Try to find your pieces. I want to see how they handle adversity. I want to see how Jameis, if he's my starter and we start 0-2, how does he come back in that third, pre- in that third game against New England? Um, do we go out in the road and come back and win that second game at Carolina? I mean, how, how do these young guys start? I mean, Debo wouldn't be a starter if Crawley is healthy. I think Crawley is healthy. Well, if he starts, how does he handle it? Does he get an interception? Does he play well? Um, that helps his confidence. So I, I, I just think there's positives, even though some things may be negative at first, if that makes sense, Scott. Again, this is my view. I'm not making it. I'm not showing this. So um, I, I know they try to get the tight end that went to New England. I know they've been trying to get some other players that eventually got claimed off of waivers by other teams because they're ranked higher than the Saints and priority-wise. So they are definitely trying to bring in tight ends. They are trying to bring in corners. Um, it's just a matter of can stay healthy. Brian Poole was one of those guys. They brought him in, got hurt. You know, they brought in Tommy Lewis. He got hurt. So they are still bringing in players. They're definitely bringing in people. It's just a matter of can they find people who can come in and play. ESPN fourteen twenty and dot com. Great stuff from Gus Cagno. Final thing for you, Gus. Final question. Not about the current Saints. Uh, about a former Saint, the Quiet Storm. Marcus Colson goes into the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame this weekend. You got to see his whole career. You were the sideline reporter for a portion early part of his career. Uh, he's from the Northeast, but he says, you know what? I, I kind of feel like an adopted son anytime I'm in Louisiana. Understandably so, but time covering Marcus Colston. Your thoughts on him going into the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame this weekend? I, I think I just will always remember the first thing that Sean Payton ever said about him and, and how he managed to get bigger and uh, – and just, you know, make the team. I mean, he said that he looked like a, a you know, what was it, like a newborn deer or calf or something. Yeah. Could, he literally couldn't stand on his feet at um, at rookie minicamp. And that, he said he wasn't going to make the team. Like, he just was couldn't literally stand up, kept sliding and falling everywhere. And by the time OTA minicamp came, he got better. And then by the time training camp started and ended, he was your number one receiver. So it kind of shows you his work ethic. And then when you go back and you look at it, man, you know, it's crazy. If he's not exactly what, I guess, this organization, Drew Brees, you know, wanted. He's a guy that didn't talk much. Uh, I know social media weren't where it was, but I don't think he still would be a guy to be on Twitter like Michael Thomas or Brandon Cook. Like, mm-hmm. you just he just went out there and did his job. Uh, he caught over the middle. He took shots. He blocked. He was just a, a great teammate. You never saw him get upset if, you know, other guys um, got passes or anything. He was just—he was a steady pro. You knew every time that he played what you were going to get out of him. Period. You knew where it was going to be. You knew he was going to catch it, and you knew he was always going to, you know, be there. And you know, again, one of the reasons that Drew Brees is going into the Hall of Fame is because he had. Uh, a steady player like that. Every quarterback that got man, you, know, you could probably look up and down that career, and there's somebody that he trusts that he went to a ton of times. And Marcus Colson's that guy for Drew Brees. I love it, Sean Payton. This guy looks like a baby deer, a fawn. He can't even stand on his legs, can't stay on his feet. Fast forward, 
Many years later, he's the franchise's all-time leader in receptions, receiving yards, receiving touchdowns, total touchdowns, yards from scrimmage, 1,000-yard seasons, and games played by a receiver. Absolutely incredible. You never know. I could be on the fringe of getting cut after a rookie minicamp or turn into a uh, all-time great in franchise history. Of course, most of the times you know, but every now and then you just you never know. That's Gus Kattengale. We always know when he comes on, we're going to get great content. Check him out, ESPN 100.3 in New Orleans, host of the Sports Hangovers, noon to three weekdays at GCAT underscore 17 on Twitter. Gus, man, all the best. Stay, stay, uh, stay safe, my friend, and uh, I know we'll be probably texting somewhat uh, over the weekend and this week with this storm. But in the meantime, man, all the best to you and the wife. For sure, man. Always a pleasure. We'll talk again next week. Can't wait. All right. Next hour. Week zero in college football. There's a few games that are meaningful. One to really keep an eye on. I'll tell you which one. And Jamboree football last night. Some more tonight. High school football. We're digging in. Then Nico Yanko, the Rage Occasion Athletic Department. Deputy Director of Athletics is going to join me. Got a lot of questions about what game day is going to look like for UL football this year. We're going to talk Cajun sports with him coming up at 815. It's the Great Scott Show. Don't go anywhere. ESPN1420.com.